The Minister for Justice will bring proposals to Cabinet next week to expand the list of safe countries for the purposes of processing international protection applicants. Expanding the list of safe countries is aimed at speeding up the processing of asylum applications as people arriving from safe countries currently have their applications fast-tracked. Well, we're joined in the studio now by the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee. Good afternoon and welcome to the programme. Um, There are currently eight countries on the list of safe countries. They are Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Georgia, Kosovo, Macedonia, Montenegro, Serbia and South Africa. How many more countries will be added to that list? It's being reviewed at the moment uh, and I will bring a decision and I will bring a recommendation to Cabinet very shortly. Um, But maybe just to specifically outline safe countries are there to make sure that our international protection system is not used essentially as a backdoor to economic migration. So we need to make sure and I need to make sure that the international protection system that is there to protect people who are fleeing war, fleeing persecution, fleeing um you know, inhumane treatment that they have access to the system as quickly as possible and that other people who potentially are here for economic reasons, that they are processed as quickly as possible, but that we send a very clear message that you need to use the proper channels, the proper routes that you're going to be turned around quickly. And what we're already seeing in the applications of safe countries so far is that 80% are actually being refused. So it is working to date. We're seeing a decrease in the number of people coming from these countries. The vast majority are receiving a negative decision and the idea and the intention behind reviewing it is to see how we can expand that further and strengthen our international protection system. So which countries then are you going to add to that list? I will bring that to Cabinet, so I'm not going to announce them today, but it is being reviewed at the moment. As I said, this is about strengthening the system that we have. But you have, we'll say, a country like Botswana, uh, which is in the top 10 list of nationalities which send, um, from which asylum uh, seekers... uh, come to Ireland, which send asylum seekers, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, to Ireland. Or you've got a country like India, both of which have stable democracies, they have functioning governments, they have relatively low crime rates. Is that, are they the types of country that you are considering then adding to the list, countries that fall into those categories? Well, there are a number of things that we look at. So firstly, you know, yes, who is seeking international protection? Where are the highest levels? uh, You know, what countries are they coming from? Uh, And if you take, for example, Georgia, one of the countries that currently is on the list, that has been top of the list and we've seen the highest numbers in recent years. And since it has been designated as a safe country, the number of people applying from that country has decreased by more than a half. So we look at countries that are applying. Uh, Yes, we look at countries where you have a significant proportion of people here but if you take for example India, uh, while we have a huge population um, from India these are people who have come through a legal route. So the vast majority have come seeking uh, work. They've come through particular visa channels or routes. Um, so, you know, th- there's different things we have to apply. But above all, what you're looking at is the laws that they have in those countries, how they're applied. And above all, are people um persecuted? Are they fleeing war? Are there situations in those countries that would leave them needing protection? And again, I have to bring it back to the point we need to make sure that our international protection system is there, that it's available for people who really need it and that those who don't need it, that they have other channels, other routes, uh, applying for visas, whether it's work or otherwise, and that is the route that they use. Is this a crackdown? Uh, Is it that you want fewer people to come here? Is that what this is aimed at achieving? 
No, uh, this is making sure that people who shouldn't be using the international protection system, that they don't, because you have to remember that four out of 10 people who apply do actually get international protection. So I want to make sure that those four out of 10 people, that they can come here, that they know that they can come here, that we will offer them the protection that they need. But the six out of 10 who shouldn't be coming this particular route, yes, in that sense, it's a crackdown that they see they're going to be processed quicker. So now it's in less than 60 days that they're going to be turned around much quicker their appeal as well uh, and that they're not going to be successful. So of, so in the last year I introduced the safe countries um, in November 2022 and in the first year alone um, the number of people applying from those countries reduced by 40% but the number of people who applied then and who had their full applications heard 80% of those were turned down. So that in itself sends a very clear message if you come here, if you abuse our system you're going to be refused, you're going to be turned around and you're going to be sent back home. Are you also planning then to increase fines for airlines if passengers arrive in Ireland without their passports or without official documents? Uh, that's been so the review is happening at the moment um, at the moment on average it's about two and a half thousand euro per person that an airline is fined but it's not just about the fines and I have to stress that there's been a huge amount of work uh, in the last year alone engaging with the airlines and training their staff. So the best way that you can actually reduce people uh, either coming to the airports or getting through uh, the airports with false documents, no documents, or where you have people smugglers who are bringing people and then holding the documents themselves. The best way to reduce that is actually by making sure the staff on the ground are trained. They know what to look for. They know how to engage. They know how to stop people. And so there's been a massive focus on training in the last year okay. alone. But for and airlines, again, are, are, you, are you going to increase the fines for airlines? Is that in your plans? It's been reviewed at the moment, yes. But if I could say the work that's been done to date, so the fines, the training and everything else has seen a reduction in almost 40% of people coming through the airports without the correct okay. documentation. So it's a myriad of things that we need to do. Can I ask you about the additional resources which have been promised for communities in which a large number of international protection applicants are being accommodated? Are those communities going to get extra guardy? Uh, well, the overall objective here is to make sure that all communities have the resources that they need, whether it's because of an increase in international protection applicants in the area, pressure on resources, and that will apply when it comes to Gardaí. So the Garda Commissioner will always, and this is in you know working with government, will always look at individual communities where there has been an increase in population, where there are challenges, and whether or not there needs to be an increase or extra resources. Okay, but this was a promise made by the government that those communities would get extra resources. So does that include extra Gardaí? What government has said is that communities need to be supported, particularly where there is an increase in population, be it from a migrant population or otherwise. And so, yes, we are looking at ways in which we can support communities. But I, I want to very clearly create a, a distance here between the idea that an increase in the migrant population uh, needs more Gardaí because the guards have clearly said that there is not a link between an increase in migrant populations and an increase in crime. So that's not what we're saying. Okay, here. What I, we're I, saying is that we will support communities in a number of different ways. And yes, it perhaps will be through increased guard the presence. It will okay, also but, be investment but, in education and health and also 
the fund that Heather Humphreys has uh, been working on, 50 million, has already been allocated to communities to support them through integration uh, okay. and, and but, the wider but, but services that are needed. Brendan O'Connor from the GRA told Colm Mongon yesterday that he cannot see how additional guarantee could be provided uh, for those communities, considering that there's a shortage elsewhere. I mean, um, there's there's a shortage of guardy in in big cities like Dublin. How how can you provide guard, extra guardy for rural communities if you can't provide them anywhere else? So nobody has promised extra guardy in any particular area. What we've said is that every community will be supported in the best way possible. And when it comes to resources, I mean, we, Brendan's right, we only have a finite number of Gardaí. Uh, I'm obviously doing everything that I can to increase those numbers. We have a current Garda competition that's open at the moment. It's halfway through. Um, interest is really positive, actually, and we need that rolling campaigns on a, on a yearly basis. But we only have the resources that we have. The Garda Commissioner and his team will always look at what a community needs. Okay, so this, this isn't a cast no iron a promise then for extra Gardaí for those communities, is it? I, I think every community wants more Gardaí. No, so but I'm no, asking... No, no, it's not. Nobody has said that. What we've said is we want to, as a government, support communities. We want strong communities. We want stable communities. We want to invest in our communities, not just from a, a justice perspective, but from health, education, funding more generally for support. And the 50 million that has been invested through the Community Recognition Fund um, has been really well received okay. by communities because it is supporting them and helping them to integrate uh, with our new Irish communities yep. as well. One of the other areas where there's a huge demand for more Gardaí is in the area of roads policing and we've seen um, uh, an, a large increase in road deaths last year. You said last September that it was your ambition to make sure that we have as many members of Angarda Síochána that will allow the Commissioner to deploy them to the roads uh, policing unit. Uh, and the, the Road Safety Group Park uh, have pointed out that since you said that, in September, the Roads Policing Unit lost four members. October, it lost two more members. In November, there was a reduction of 12 members. And in December, uh, the unit lost nine members. So uh, in total last year, 56 Gardaí were taken out of the Roads Policing Unit. Y your ambition to add numbers to that unit seems, seems fairly hollow, doesn't it, when you, when you look at those numbers? What I said, is, as you have just uh, said yourself, is that I wanted to and I still want to provide as many resources as possible to the Garda Commissioner. Um, and thankfully, our numbers of Angarda Shukan have actually stabilised. So we're now at around 14,000 uh, and moving in the right direction, we're moving up. And again, this newest recruitment campaign, the new members coming out of the college uh, will all feed into that. So while I don't decide where members are deployed, what I do know is that additional resources have been put into roads policing. What I do know is that I have allocated over €4 million Euro mm. for additional go-safe hours. What I do know is that Gardaí are now getting more information so that the Gardaí that are in the roads traffic units, they can act more efficiently. So two of the biggest areas that we know are problematic on our roads. One is speed. So making sure that we have enforcement, that we have go-safe hours. We now have 9,000 hours a enforcement month. Enforcement is falling, though. That's the point. And, and when are we going to see more Gardaí added to the roads policing unit? Well, enforcement isn't falling. If you look at last month alone, you had um, the highest number of checkpoints that we've had uh, in quite a long period of time that resulted in uh, thousands of people um, being stopped, be it in relation to speeding, being in relation to drink or drug driving. Uh, on top of that alone, then we have had an increase uh, since last summer 
of go safe hours. So there's now a sustained level and money there for the year to allow for 9,000 hours um, on our roads of go safe vans. That in itself will not stop people. What we need to do is make sure that we're using new types of technology as well. So take uh, the Port Tunnel, for example, 99% of people comply because it is an average speed camera there. So we're looking at how we can roll out speed cameras. But when we think of roads policing and we think of the specific units, it is not just those units that carry out checkpoints, that carry out roads, roads policing duties. About 25% of checks, about 25% of the work is carried out by your frontline guardie, your your uniform guardie that are not specific to that. Okay. So yes, let's improve the overall numbers. Yes, let's make sure they have the resources that they need. But most importantly, I want to see the number of deaths decreasing. That is my objective this year and I will do whatever I can to resource the Gardaí to assist in that. I I want to ask you about the difficulties in recruiting a candidate for the second highest position in Ongarda Siakana, that is the Commissioner, the Deputy Commissioner uh, in charge of policing and security. It was reported yesterday by Conor Lally in the Irish Times that there will be no new recruitment contest to replace the Deputy Commissioner in charge of policing and security when the position becomes vacant in March uh, because nobody uh, uh, has applied for the job to date. Um, or after nobody applied for, for the job to, uh, to date and that that role will be taken over instead by Deputy Commissioner Shauna Coxon who is a Canadian citizen um, currently in charge of strategy, governance and performance in Gardaí Kona and she will double job. Is that what you expect will happen? That is what will happen for the moment, yes. Okay. And um, do you have any concerns about somebody who spent their time in Ongardashia Corner dealing with governance and accountability and strategy, a huge area, now also taking on the massive additional workload of dealing with national security, organised crime, dealing with things like the Kinahan gang, the threat of Islamic terrorism, uh, far-right extremism and policing right across the country on top of that work? Obviously, that's a huge amount of work. Um, but what I would say is the Deputy Commissioner, Shauna Coxon, uh, is very ably supported by a significant number of assistant commissioners as well who do a significant amount of that work, obviously managed by the Deputy Commissioner and then obviously supported by the Commissioner. It's, well, not, it's, an, it's not an it's, ideal it's situation. Not ideal. No, it's not ideal. Um, and obviously, I want to see that position filled as quickly as possible. Um, it is most likely that that competition won't happen until there are other issues resolved uh, that have obviously led us to the position that we're in and, now. And the issue is the pension cap, isn't it? That needs to be resolved. Yeah, so you, you have um, a standard uh, right threshold which has been in place for the last 10 years. So any uh, civil servant that reaches uh, 2 million within their pension pot, they then face a higher rate of tax beyond that 2 million. As I said, that's been in place for 10 years, but the Minister for Finance has committed to reviewing that. That review has already started uh, and I'd expect that that would be done by the summer. Uh, Okay, and the fact that the the Deputy Commissioner Coxon is a Canadian citizen, um, that has been described by the independent TD Cahal Berry as far from ideal because, as he puts it, this is a position which deals with state security and normally a position like that would go to a candidate from the Republic of Ireland. Um, He said an Irish person wouldn't get that job in Canada. What's your response to to him? I, I will never agree to something, nor will the Commissioner, nor will governments agree to anything that would in any way jeopardise our national security. And I want to assure people of that. I will never make a decision or support a decision that would allow for that. Carl Barry himself. In in fairness to the individual involved here, nobody is casting any aspersions on on her. No, and and Carl has said that. The point he is making is in relation to the nationalities and, and that normally a job which relates to the security of the state would go to an Irish person. 
Well, I think what Deputy Barry has also said is that Canada is a trusted partner and someone that we uh, would trust when it comes to working on security issues or matters. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Coxon has been in this position for over two years now and I think she's done an excellent job. She has uh, a significant background herself coming from uh, her own country and the work that she has done. But I again want to reassure people I would not support nor would government support a decision that would any way jeopardise uh, our security. But, you know, I want this position filled as quickly as possible. The Minister has given me assurances that this review will be completed as soon as possible. But it is a decision for individual people here to make. If you want to apply for a role, that is very much an individual decision that people will have to okay. make. OK, before I let you go, Minister, can I ask you about Ireland's position in relation to the ruling of the International Court of Justice um, ordering Israel to prevent genocide and allow more free-flowing humanitarian aid into the country? Do you want to see Ireland, you personally, do you want to see Ireland formally supporting South Africa's case at the ICJ now? Personally, I would like us to, but I am very much aware that we need to do so on a correct legal basis. This is, I mean, what you are doing essentially is accusing another country of genocide. Uh, you need to know the facts. You need to understand what it is that you're fighting this case on. Um, and so I welcome the ruling that happened this week. Um, personally, I would have liked to have seen it gone further in terms of a ceasefire. It didn't. And I fully respect the ruling that was made. Um, but we have to study this now. We can't just jump in without understanding the facts. Uh, but government has given a clear commitment that we will do that. Uh, we are already part of a separate case, uh, which is focused on illegal settlements in the West Bank. In fact, our attorney General will present at that case next week. Um, but I, I would repeat what the Taoiseach said this week. A court ruling does not stop a war. Um, a war, you know, is concluded where there is a military victory or where you have diplomacy. And that is why every opportunity we can, myself this week in Europe with colleagues, the Taoiseach, the Taunashta and others, we are using every right. diplomatic channel possible to call for a ceasefire, to bring that about, to ensure that there's humanitarian given to so many millions right. of people in a catastrophic situation, but also that these prisoners are released unconditionally. Minister for Justice Helen McEntee, thank you for talking to us today. After the break, we'll hear from the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees after nine countries suspended their funding.